All right, well, let's have a word of prayer together. Father, we, we're thankful for this evening, this opportunity we have to gather. Father, to, to mention these prayer requests, to share with uh, others about the, the burdens, uh, Father, on, on our hearts, those that we, we love and care about, and um, Father, just a chance to, to learn together and, and to share with one another. So we're thankful for, for this opportunity. Um, Lord, we do uh, come tonight, we, uh, we pray for the, the Zooks as they are making plans to come home. At Christmas, we pray that you would, uh, Father, protect them, um, uh, Lord, and as they continue to minister there the best they can, um, Father, and as they travel home, uh, Father, I just pray that you would give them wisdom, give them discernment as they, they figure out the, the next stage and, and what they, they are to do. Um, Father, we come tonight and we pray for uh, Joe Fitzgerald, the, the name that we've been given, the uh, young man here with cancer. And Father, we pray for healing for him. We pray for the, the physicians and those that are looking at him that, Father, they would have, have wisdom again and, and discernment and, and be able to um, know the, the correct course of action to, to, to take the medication or treatment and Father, that you would, would work to heal his body. Father, we um, pray for Mike tonight. Pray that you would continue to, to heal him. Uh, be with Sheila as well as, as she's taking care of him. And Father, give them strength and peace during this time. Lord, we pray for uh, Jacob tonight as he continues on the, the trail. We pray that you would keep him safe. Father, as he, he goes through there, we Lord, we pray for, for Irma uh, tonight, and uh, Lord, just be with her as uh, she's going through this, this time. I pray that you'll be with those that are, are seeking to care for and, and take care of her. Um, and Father, like you might, uh, Lord, have your way uh, in, in all these situations. Uh, Father, we, uh, we pray tonight for the the study and, and the, the verses that we're going to look at tonight, pray that you would use them, Lord, to, to give us greater understanding of your word, of a greater understanding of, of who you are, and, uh, and Father, how we might worship you. So we, um, we pray all these things tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So tonight we're going to be um, looking at a, another topic in this in the series that, that we've been looking at, and um, tonight we're going to look at uh, this topic of what does it mean to love God. It, it's something we say a lot. We talk about loving God. We we know it's important for us as believers, but really when we when we try to get into it and, and really discover what this means, how do we we go about really understanding this? Um, and, and that's something we're going to look at this evening. Um, we know, for example, the uh, 
first and uh, greatest commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Um, we also know that, that one of the very direct answers from Scripture to the question that, that we're looking at and considering this evening is that if we love God, we will obey Him. We'll obey His commands. John writes this, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. So we, we see that obedience to God's uh, command it should, should take first place in our, our lives as believers. We should be seeking to, to do that first and foremost. Um, but there's some other truths as well that we can kind of glean from Scripture about loving God uh, that we're going to talk about tonight. And so we're going to look at, it, at several different categories as we walk through this. The first category we're going to look at is the nature of the love of God. How, how, will, this, how will our lives look? If we do, in fact, love God. And the, the first point we're going to see tonight, that um, if we love Him, we will experience a thirst for Him. Um, we see a great example of this in Psalm 63, where, where David states, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My, my flesh faints for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Uh, it's this longing of the soul to be near to and to be with the God of the universe, to fellowship with, communicate with Him, to serve Him. Um, the, the author of our, our study, um, Reverend Roberts, right? The, the, the thirst in this case is for fellowship and communion with God. And it can only be satisfied by a constant sharing of our thoughts, fears, and hopes with the God that we love. Com communicating with Him, being with Him, fellowshipping with Him, having this thirst for God Himself. It's the first thing. The second thing we see here is that um, those who love God loves the th love the things that God loves. And so this includes a, a couple of things that I've listed here, but it's not limited to these by any means. Uh, but we see that things like His Word. We read in Psalm 138 that God has exalted His name and has exalted His Word above all things. This includes the church and the people of God. David writes again in, in Psalm 42 of his hungering and thirsting for God. As a matter of fact, there in, in verse 2 of Psalm 42, he talks about how not being as close as he would like to the Lord has, has brought tears to his eyes. And he weeps, and, and those very tears have become his food. That's the kind of wording he uses in this psalm. And, and then in verse 4, he writes this, How would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival, a love for God's Word and a love for being with God's people and in His house of, of worship and, and being able to worship together 
And so loving God here means loving the things that he loves. On the other hand, it also means hating the things that God hates. Anything evil, anything sinful. Um, and so the, the author say, says here, to, to love God is to honor his Godhood and to feel resentment towards anything that reflects dishonor on his sovereignty, majesty, and honor. And, and so we get these very interesting lines from, from David in, in places like Psalm 139, where he writes, Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. And then Mr. Roberts states this. We are to love God's enemies in the sense that we are to wish them well. We pray for them and we seek to do them good. But in our judgment of God's enemies, we cannot, if we love God, do otherwise than hate their ungodly character and conduct. So loving the things that God loves, but also hating the things that God hates. Number four, everyone who loves God seeks to keep a good conscience. So um, we all have this conscience in us. It's, it's a part of us. And if it's functioning correctly, it will work to kind of bring about shame in us when we sin. And it, it, it brings about this realization of our, our guilt when we have done what is evil. And, and we recognize that. And so we want to keep a good conscience or a clear conscience before the Lord. We see in, in Acts 24, verse 16, there Paul's testifying before Felix. And this is what it says. So I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. So as believers, we still have this remaining sin nature and we've got to always seek to, to pay attention to when, when our, our consciences start to alert us to, to sin in our lives and which we need to repent. Next, everyone who loves God desires to evangelize and to, to spread the gospel to those who are lost. And it just, it makes sense. If we love Him, if we consider Him to be the most precious thing that we could ever have, if He satisfies all the longings of, of our souls and, and He brings the greatest peace and joy that we know in life, then we're going to want other people to know that as well and to know Him who brings that. So, um, we see again in the book of Acts, it says this. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. Uh, his, his spirit was provoked. Uh, other translations say distressed or, or stirred up. And it, it carries this idea of, of being burdened for the people. Because he's... He's anxious to see them, a conversion of them, that they reject these idols and reject worshiping them, and, and they turn to know and to worship the true God. All who love God long to share Him with others. 
And so we see kind of walking through this, these few points that if we, we can have confidence that we, we do love God. If, if these five points are, are, are true in our lives, if we're, we have a desire for Him, we, we love what He loves, we, we hate what He hates, we uh, desire this, this clear conscience and, and desire that others might know Him. Um, next section that we want to look at tonight is uh, evidence for love of God in our lives. In other words, what things in our lives can we, can we look for uh, to see if we do in fact have this love of God in us? And so a few things here. First of all, a love for God brings about new priorities in a believer's life. Um, the author here mentions quite a bit in this section about the use of time in the believer's life. The believer begins to see time for this, this precious commodity that it is and understands that it, it's sinful to waste time. And, and he finishes this section by stating this. The one who loves God has one eye on the clock. Um, so priorities. Secondly, um, a love for God is displayed in how a believer thinks about Scripture. How, how, does, how do you think about the Bible? So it, the believer's primary concern is to know from the Bible what the Lord expects. What he expects us to believe and, and to be and to do and seeks to believe and be and do those things. Next, love for God is revealed by the way that a believer talks. Words express the thoughts that we have in our minds. And thoughts reveal our character. And, and so a, a true believer is quick to, to speak about the Lord because the Lord is the focus of our hearts and minds. And so it just naturally comes out when we're, we're talking. Um, fourth, love for God is seen when we're quick to forgive offenses. When we're quick to forgive. And, and we do this as believers because we, we realize that forgiveness that we've received from God as we have so greatly offended Him um, through our, our sin and through our disobedience. Um, he's created us. He's given us life. And we in return have, have disobeyed and rejected and, and disregarded His commands. And so if we've been forgiven by the Lord for how we've treated Him, then, then we should be quick to forgive others who offended us. Fifth, we see that love of God shows itself in, in the soul of a truly joyful person. There's a difference in the person that loves and is walking closely with the Lord, just in their countenance, in how they carry themselves. It's a great witness to, to others who, who don't know the truth of Christ. When, um, when we have and we kind of display this, this great joy in our Lives. And so these are some things that we can look at in our lives to see, hey, are we loving the Lord? Um, also, we can look at uh, the importance uh, of loving God in, in the Christian duty that we have 
to do so. And, and we have a, a duty to do this for, for several reasons that we can look at. First of all, um, it, it's our duty to love him because he made us and he sustains us every second of every day. And he, if, he, if he has made us, if he has created, if he, ha, if he sustains us, then it's proper that we should love him and worship and obey him. Secondly, um, it's our duty to love him because he has saved us. He has ransomed us. He has rescued us when we did not deserve it. Um, so one of my, I guess, I, I don't know, I guess you would call him maybe my, one of my personal heroes, a guy I really um, look up to is a guy from history, missionary C.T. Studd, um, and he had this for his, kind of his life motto. He said, if Jesus Christ is God and died for us, no sacrifice on our part can be too great to make for him. He has saved us. Third, it's our duty to love him because he has adopted us and he will welcome us to heaven above. And, and when we think about this, we think of the words of Jesus in Matthew 25. Where Jesus said, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. What, what it, it's this incredible gift of God to us. And so therefore, it, it's right, it's proper, again, that we, we love him and with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. Reverend Robert, then he, Roberts, he, he ends this, this section by stating that, you know, because all of these things are true that we've just mentioned, it's, it's then our responsibility to, to use everything that we have available to us to kind of to stoke and, and to fan this, this flame of love in our hearts for God. And he, he states it. This way, our, our duty is to stir up our love for God by reminding ourselves often of the price paid by Jesus Christ our Lord for our ransom and redemption. And so one of the, the means that he's talking about here and of, of doing this is observing um, the love for God that those who have gone before us have shown down through history. Um, he references, you know, Fox's book of, of martyrs and um, things like that that tell the story of um, folks through history that have, have sacrificed much for, uh, for the Lord. And he, he looks at the Reformers and, and the Puritans and, um, as examples of this. And then ultimately he goes back to Scripture and looks at, for example, Hebrews chapter 11, which says some were tortured refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And constantly reminding ourselves that 
those who have, have gone before us have, have loved him to this end. And so it, it, it motivates, it, 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 press, it makes us press on towards that same thing. Um, the final section in this, this study is the expression of our love to God in our own day. And, and here, um, the author discusses um, how you know, every time period um, and place on earth kind of faces its own challenges to love God. In a lot of ways, they're, they're, they're the same, um, but there's always some nuances to them. Um, you know, Pastor Kerry mentioned this past Sunday morning in his, his sermon about our culture and perfected the art of distraction. Art of distraction and diversion. Uh, screens and, and endless scrolling and text and tweets and Facebook posts and all, just all kind of stuff that, that robs our attention. Um, and Reverend Roberts here writing this states the same thing. And he says, so we have this question, how should we express our love for God here and now in this fast-moving era so full of amazing electronic devices and rapid communication?" What do we do? And so in his answer, he gives six points here. And he, he talks about how what he's giving here are, are principles. And they're not, they might not be as, as specific as we would like them to be, but that's because each um, family, each church body uh, is to, to seek to communicate with one another, to share with one another, to to learn from each other and um, to talk about how we can, can best do these things. And so that's kind of how he's, he's laying this out. Um, but a few points. First of all, he says, we must treat the Bible as inspired and infallible because it is. And so we must read it, we must study it, we must teach it that way. We, we can't add to it, we can't subtract from it. Um, must take it in its entirety and in, in all it has to say and seek to conform our lives to it. it. That leads to the second point that he talks about, that we seek to live out biblical commands in, in our individual lives, in our families, and in our churches. Third, we, we show genuine love to God's people. Um, as Jesus said, he said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And also, 1 John, you read, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. In this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So we must seek to want to love one another's brothers and sisters in Christ. Next we see uh, love for God. Um, in our current context means that we must speak up for his truth in the church and in the public square. And again, we can, have, we can have a lot of good conversations about 
what this means, what this look like, looks like. How can we do this here in Flat Creek, in Lynchburg, in Campbell County, um, wherever we may be? But when we truly love the Lord, that love, it, it compels us to go and speak the truth. It was word both in the church and in the world. Fifth, our love for God demands that we pray constantly for the salvation of the lost and revival of believers. So we pray constantly for this a miraculous work of God. The Spirit in, in the hearts and minds of both those who are His and those who are lost. Um, and we want to constantly remember them and lift them up in prayer. Individually and in, in our families and corporately as a church body. And lastly, our love for God, uh, it, it demands that we look forward to that day when we will be married to Christ forever in glory. And then um, he ends his study with this statement. He says, we shall enjoy our internal home in all of its God-exalting worship, Christ-centered fullness, and sin-free purity, soli deo gloria. To God be the glory alone. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for this opportunity to dig down into uh, Lord, this, this topic of that seems on on one hand, to be um, well, that, that is the, the foundation of our lives, that is, is very um, foundational to, to how we interact with you. And yet, we, we also want to know more specifically how, how it is we do this. Um, Father, I pray that you would help us to, to, to meditate on these truths that we've talked about, to to speak about them with one another, to seek to learn and, and to grow. Lord, that we might know more of you, that we might worship you more. Father, that we might enjoy you more, that we might, um, Father, serve you and, and obey your commands as we go forward. And so we pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.